Shemai Yisroel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echod. Those six words in Hebrew are the creed and the doxology of Judaism, sung pretty much that way in every Jewish service everywhere in the world. They mean the English is here in H-E-A-R, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's kind of a declaration of monotheism. After the congregation sings those words called the Shema, for the first word here, uh, the tradition varies a bit from place to place, but either silently or aloud, the congregation says a short blessing. When I was growing up, we said, Baruch Shem Kavod Alam Voyed. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Those words of the Shema are the fourth word, the fourth verse of the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. And they come soon after God has given the law, the Ten Commandments, to the Israelites. So I'll read the English translation and the next few, the, the, few, the verses that come just after that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on, uh, on the hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That section of Deuteronomy is the answer to the question I am most asked about Judaism. Shall we play Jeopardy? Who'd like to buzz in with the correct question? Ah, I thought I might, thought I might stump you. The question is, what is that thing that Jews hang on their door frames and around their necks? <laughs> so this is, it's not usually clear like this, but this is a clear mezuzah. It's called a mezuzah. And this happens to be a clear one. Usually they're metal. And you can't see that inside is a scroll and, on, uh, on parchment. And this one, well... Actually, all right, I'll have to give up on that. But what, what's, what's in there on, on the parchment in Hebrew is the uh, passage from Deuteronomy that I just read. And so you'll sometimes see it on a door frame in a much smaller version as a, as a, net, a pendant. Um, and uh, so it's kind of a, a universal symbol of Judaism, and it, it, it comes directly out of that part of Ju Judaism, the, the, the declaration of, of monotheism. 
Now, we don't have anything like that in Unitarian Universalism. Um, and now, uh, oh, good, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. We don't have anything like that in Unitarian Universalism. We have the chalice, of course, but even, even that has, I've heard different and conflicting origin stories about the chalice. Uh, and maybe that's appropriate for Unitarian Universalism, a, 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 a tradition without clear description. But I'm going to suggest a way to remedy our lack of a, sacred act, uh, of a sacred object and matching doxology. The mezuzah has the letter shin. You may not be able to see it there, but that's the Hebrew letter shin that uh, is the first letter of the, sh- of, sh- of the word shema. Now, what if we replace that shin with a chalice and insert into the mezuzah the most sacred document in Unitarian Universalism? There's even a ready-made doxology to go along with it, and I've asked the choir to sing that doxology as I solemnly place the sacred object in the mezuzah. It won't fit because I can't get the other one out, but you get the idea. (laughs) Now, um, announcements are the perfect scroll for the Unitarian Universalist mezuzah. Now, the opinions expressed in this sermon don't necessarily reflect the views of the singers. They didn't know what they were getting into when I asked them to do that, so don't blame them. Um, And I certainly don't by any means mean to disparage announcements. But I think they point to how we have become a religion of doing at the expense of being. A religion of doing at the expense of being. Being, my friends, is an important religious quality. And Unitarian Universalism is a religion, or at least I want it to be. In a sermon November 1st, I talked about how I see UUism failing to grow because we're not as welcoming spiritually and politically as we think we are. And I said I'd return to the subject. This is part two. You can call it the second, second game of a doubleheader. In my next sermon on Memorial Day weekend, I'm planning to return to my warm and fuzzy self. Today, though, if we believed in fire and brimstone, I'd be invoking it. Now, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And I'll ask you to raise your hands mentally. I don't want to embarrass you, mentally. How many of you have done one or more of these things? Said, my friends who are religious, thinking that, of course, you're not because you're a UU. Given yourself a low rating on a survey on the question, how important is religion in your life because you don't want to be confused with those people. Avoided mentioning a church social event to a non-UU friend because you don't want to be seen as a typical churchgoer. Inserted the words Unitarian Universalist before church when you do mention a church event so that you're not confused with someone who believes in something. Now, there's no, there's no zealot like a convert. 
And I've done all of those things. That's how I know the list so well. I reformed my ways about six months ago, and I'd like you to consider doing the same for your own good, for the good of our faith's future, and for the good of our neighbors and friends. Start claiming your faith as a religion and stop seeing yourself as so different from those others who go to real churches. The video we saw was a beautiful example of how even an enthusiastic teenager was eager to apply her enthusiasm to her social justice work, but really wanted to avoid talking about religion. That was the start, by the way, of a sermon by the Reverend Allison Miller, Allison with one L, if you care, at the opening ceremony of last year's Unitarian Universalist General Assembly. She happens to currently <coughs> be the only candidate uh, nominated for the position of UUA president, uh, president of the Unitarian Universalist Association. It's a long story why there's only one at the moment, but it's likely that a second candidate will be put forth. The election will, will be held at the General Assembly in June 2017. So we're not so different from all those others. We take about as long to elect a president as the country does. But at the end of the process, I'm hoping that we elect a leader who can show us uh, the way to our own version of a promised land. I think Allison may, may have that leadership quality. Now, back in November, I shared some numbers uh, since the Unitarians and the Universalists merged in 1961. I showed that our numbers, numbers have been stagnant with slightly more than 1,000 churches and slightly more than 150,000 adult members. At the same time, our population has been aging, so the children enrolled in religious education have declined over that period by 36% to about 50,000. Now, while it's true that in recent years, the more recent history, uh, stagna stagnating is not so bad when compared with mainline Protestant churches, but the longer-range comparative picture, that 50-year chunk, is dismal. And, and stagnating ain't so great when you're tiny. The Wicca religion has more members than we do. Now, many, many of us have turned away from the Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish faiths we grew up with, at least in their fundamental or, or rigid, rigid forms we seek either a more progressive approach to our traditional religion, an interpretation that makes room for science and conforms to common sense, or maybe a different religion, one less rigid. If we, you use, were as inclusive as we think we are, we'd be a great home for those people. I've come across another statistic since the November 1st sermon. In its progressive Western forms, Buddhism offers another great home to those who don't feel served by more rigid faiths. Like Unitarian Universalism, it is non-theistic and encourages validating your beliefs through your own experience. But unlike UUism, it employs religious symbolism and tradition. Over the last 50 years, as Unitarian Universalism stagnated at around 200,000 members in the U.S., Buddhism went from that size, 200,000, to 3 million, a 15-fold increase. 
Now, some of that was because of Asian immigration, of course, but a significant portion was from European Americans and African Americans, a surprisingly large number that, who, have turned, that have, who have turned to uh, Buddhism. Now, we don't need to shave our heads, sit in the half-lotus position, and wear robes to be appealing to more folks. But we do need to be open about our belief systems, the being as well as the doing. And we need to be more genuinely inclusive. Let me tell you about some friends of mine. These are all, all real stories. One stopped coming to a UU church because at a social event at her home, she felt criticized for using plastic utensils. Another started attending a UU church, and when someone from the membership committee left a message on her voicemail about a path to membership, she didn't return the call because she was afraid she'd have to join a committee. She told me she'd be fine with pledging, but just doesn't have time for anything else. I have felt un unwelcome here in this congregation a couple of times over the years because for a while I made my living owning an insurance agency. Being a business person is okay in UU churches if you're an artisan, an artist, or a healer. All others need not apply, or so it seems. I had been a, a, a UU long enough that I stuck with it through a few insults, one, in fact, from the pulpit during a lay, a lay sermon. And finally, let me tell you about another friend of mine. She happens to have been born into a seriously wealthy family with ancestors you'd read about in European history books. She went to divinity school with the intent to become a UU minister. But she no longer, uh, and she, she still considers herself a UU, but doesn't belong to any church or even attend one regularly. When she does attend a UU church, her experience has been to feel excluded and vilified during coffee hour as the conversation turns to the hated 1%. She didn't choose the family she was born into or the traditions with which she was raised. And of course, she shouldn't feel obliged to deny her own heritage and identity when she mingles with churchgoers in her chosen faith. She feels that UUs don't realize how tight we draw that circle. You know the one. He drew a circle that left me out. And I agree with her. She started a blog anonymously to show you use how we draw circles, and she calls it, we are the 100%. She has put just three posts up so far, so it's not quite ready for prime time, but send me an email if you'd like a, a link to it. Social justice, the way that we act in the world, is, of course, important. But I think in religious community, who we are comes before what we do. Let's greet newcomers by asking what they, why they came and what they believe. And let's really listen to the answers. We wouldn't shove a pledge card in front of a newcomer right away. Let's not push a petition or a position paper on them right away either. And when we do talk about social action, let's start with the spiritual beliefs that drive us to act. That's something we can all agree on. 
Above all, let's assume the best of each other. Let's assume that you and I and Mr. Firsttimer all want a world that affirms and promotes the inherent worth and dignity of everyone and the interdependent web that connects us all, even if we disagree on the tactics needed to build that world, and even if we are physically or emotionally unable to do anything about it right now. And let's not be afraid to call ourselves proudly religious and to wade together in the water of our faith. 